Well, if you haven't heard, there's this groundbreaking new book that's just come out. So let me tell you, several years ago, um, what was his name? No, who came to the church? You know what I'm talking about. The Renaissance Church guy. Larry Randolph came to church, and he called us a Renaissance Church. He said there were painters and authors and inventors and all kinds of people that were going to be coming out of this church. So he says all that, and since then we've had painters, we've had inventors, and there may have been other authors that I don't know about, but I have always said I should write a book. I could write a book about a guy who was a druggie who got saved and delivered, or I could write a book about a guy who was raised in the Jewish faith and met his Messiah. Or I could write a guy, about a guy who was dirt poor and achieved some level of success. Or I could write a book about a guy who achieved some level of success and lost everything he had and got it back again. And as time went on, I could write about a book about a guy who lost everything he had, got it back again, and lost it all over again a second time and <laughs> came back again. So finally I decided I'll just write a book. So... Uh, <laughs> And I really did feel led of the Lord to write this. And I've actually been writing it for four years because whenever I'd get started on it, I'd see the giants in the land and I'd give up and get disheartened. And then I'd really feel the Lord prompt me, so I'd start again. And this just went on until finally the Lord just gave me total freedom and said, I never said you'd even sell one copy. I just told you to write it. Just be obedient. And when, really, honestly, when he gave me that word, it was like total freedom. I'll just write it. So, so basically what this book is is an evangelistic tool. I've had, because of even sending out this, this co- you like the cover? Like the color? Yeah, that is cool. This is the result of quite a few renditions from a guy named Amri Tari in Israel. So my cover is designed in Israel. And then on the back, it mentions me being a Messianic Jew. So already through the business community, I've had several opportunities to share as people said, can I ask you what it means? What do you mean you're a Messianic Jew? So my testimony is also in this book. Truth is, you'll know more about me than you care to know about me when you read this. But my testimony is in here, and you'll notice I use G-D whenever I reference God's name. The reason I do that is that I'm hoping, because one, it mentions me being a Jew, two, it's a book about finance, that a lot of Jews will read it, honestly. And Jews write God G-D out of respect for God. So that's why I wrote it that way. Not that I believe I have to, but I did that as an evangelistic tool. Also, the first part of the book is my life story from business, starting my first business at eight years old. There's more in here about my failures because I've had more failures than successes, but there's attitudes and principles and teachings that come out of those failures. And then part two of the book is just bullet point teachings, teachings the Lord has given me, both practical and spiritual, about finance. And then the last four chapters are dedicated totally to real estate and how you can monopolize on what's happened in this economy through real estate. So that's what the book's about. And I really, really pray that, you know, for whoever reads it, it would just be a blessing in one way or another. So can you throw my website up there, Denise? Oh, okay. So Jeremy Hodges created this website for me. Now you can see, you can buy it by hitting that for $12.99 plus tax in paperback, or you can actually download for $6.99 a PDF version. That's just a PDF on your computer. You can also get it in Kindle. It's on Amazon.com right now. You can get it in Nook. It's on Barnes & Noble right now. And Apple is the worst people to deal with. We've been dealing with them for two weeks, and we can't seem to get on the site there or get a response. So anyway, hopefully soon we'll be able to get it from Apple. Maybe you can put in a good word or something. <laughs> Bye.
Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's it. But today, and today only, if you buy them out uh, front, they're just, I'm just selling them for $10, no tax, no nothing, just $10 for an autographed copy. Bob Hare is reselling his copies for $15. So he's already gleaned a little bit from the book, and he's trying to do his best putting the uh, practical application. So... All right. Now let's do the offering, all right? And this is the last time we'll do this declaration. All right, here we go. You can stand if you want to. Lord, your word tells me to give, and as I do, it will be given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For in the same measure I give, it is measured back to me. I thank you, Jesus, that I have spiritual physical, mental, and financial prosperity. I declare that I will forever grow closer in intimacy with you, and your manifest presence will increase in this place. And if you need to use a card, a debit card, a MasterCard, Visa, we have somebody out in the foyer. Praise God. Good job, man. Thank you, sir. The book is good. I've read it a couple times, actually. I read it. You know, when he was working on it, and then I got a copy of the night off of the the uh, Kindle version and read it. So it's worth a good read. Uh, it's great, you know, reading a book with somebody you know, and a lot of the stories they tell, uh, you kind of know the stories. You kind of have to not think too much about, you know, the stories behind the story. But, yeah, I've lived, yeah, I've lived through some of them, actually, yeah, and made it through. So, yeah, amen. I think God does want to bless people financially, and I'm really excited about uh, this This is a tool to help people. And I believe it would help you, honestly, to get the book and read it, because there is a lot of stuff. And it, does, it comes from, it's not theoretical. It's not like, uh, you know, a lot of universities, uh, you know, they have uh, business majors, they have business professors who's actually never worked in business, teaching people how to do business, which is like, What? <laughs> So it's good to have somebody who's in that world giving us information, who've learned, you know, the hard way, uh, learned through real-life experiences. So thank you, Lord. And, Gene, we appreciate you being bold to do what the Lord told you to do. And we, that we should encourage all of us in whatever gift God's given you to, to do it, uh, you know, to step out there and do it. And don't worry about selling books or CD, whatever you do, you know. Some things people ain't going to buy, right? But some things they will buy. So amen. The Lord is good, isn't he? And today really is a great day for us to celebrate and recognize that Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? And, but every day, really, we should recognize that. But this day is a day set apart uh, by the grace of God in America that we can say we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. We have that freedom to do it, and we're doing it because we totally believe in that and totally are counting on that. Amen? Yeah. And so we want to be uh, a resurrection people, right? Uh, the other day we were talking, I was at this pastor's meeting, and we were talking to a guy from uh, down in New Bern, North Carolina, which is a long ways away, Right? And we're like another country, actually, down there. It's, but we were asking about this other. This we were asking him about another pastor. If he, if this other pastor was a certain kind of pastor, I'm not going to tell you what kind. We asked him. He said, "Oh no, he is a third day guy." 
I said, what the heck is a third day guy? You know? <laughs> and he sort of explained it to me. I didn't know there was something out there about third day, but, you know, that's a good thing, though. Ain't, amen? We're all third-day people, aren't we? Uh, I want to read this little scripture here, uh, and I want to talk to you briefly. Uh, it's Matthew 27, 62 through 66. It says, on the next day. Everybody say, next day. Next day. See, I think the Bible sometimes says things and uses words that uh, catches your attention. And that word, next day, caught my attention. It's on the next day which followed the day of preparation. The day of preparation was the day Jesus was crucified. Okay, so this is talking about the day, the next day. Uh, you know, supposedly Jesus was crucified on Friday, right? Some people say Thursday, but we're going to go with the Friday version. Okay, it's all right if we don't have it exactly right. It doesn't matter to the Lord as long as we're selling every day's resurrection. But the day of preparation was, was Friday, what we call Good Friday right now. Amen? And so we're talking about the next day here, which would have been Saturday. Uh, it says, The chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive uh, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Everybody say third day. Least his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. Well, they didn't, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> so the last deception will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure sealing the stone and setting the guard. By the way, you know, Pilate lost his job. Uh, the Roman government dismissed Pilate because he, they got frustrated with him because you know, he did one thing too many times. He crucified too many people. That's a historical fact. He killed so many people that they got, they got tired of him because he was creating an uh, upsetting situation. So he got his due. But how many people were interested in statistics? Well, I like biblical statistics, actually. I'm very interested in because you can find a lot of things in the Bible. This is something that has always fascinated me about the Gospels. So there's, 80, there's four Gospels, right? There's 86 chapters in those four Gospels. Uh, this is what's fascinating. 26 of those uh, chapters are devoted to the events in the last week of Jesus' life. Isn't that amazing? That is one quarter of the Gospels cover a seven-day span. Okay. Uh, Jesus lived approximately 12,000 days. And one-third of the Gospels focus on his last seven days of his life. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so there's a lot of revelation if you begin to look into the, those uh, 26 chapters. There is a lot that the Bible says that's really amazing about what was going on with Jesus. Uh, there's these amazing... Uh, uh, Things about what happened to Jesus when he was beaten. Uh, every time Jesus bled, the Bible is real clear, starting in the Garden of Gethsemane, of when he sweated drops of blood, all the way down to when the Roman soldier speared him in the side. There's just a lot of revelation on each time that Jesus bled. It really speaks something powerfully. If you'd be interested in that, I actually did a message on every one of those a couple years ago. There's also a lot of revelation... And I'm not selling them, by the way. 
I should though, right? <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Anyways, also there's a lot of revelation of what Jesus said while he hung on the cross. Those are some real powerful messages also that I did a couple years ago. <laughs> now, those are powerful messages, period. So there's a lot that has been said and, you know, in the Scriptures about that time in Jesus' life. There's also a lot in the Scriptures that it talks about after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Right there you have the Great Commission. You have John chapter 20 and 21, which are two of the greatest chapters in the Bible, to really get an a insight on what Jesus was doing when he, when he began to communicate to those that were closest to him, right after he came back from there. That great, there's one of the great stories is in the garden tomb when... Uh, um, that's my, yeah, somebody, I'm going to get somebody. Anyways, uh, they're great revelations, but here's the thing. Sometimes the Bible tells us something by not telling us something. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes it's trying to tell us something by silence. And so God, so you have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. When He ain't talking about something in your life, there's a reason he's not talking about it. In the Bible, when the Bible doesn't talk about something, there's a reason. It's fascinating to me that what I just read to you is the only place in the four Gospels where it talks about what happened on that Saturday. Now, if you think about that, it said all this other stuff, 26 chapters loaded down, and it gives us four verses about what went on on that next day. Everybody say next day. It tells us four verses, and it haven't, and it was from the people who killed Jesus. There was nothing that was said by the people that really mattered in the Bible. Not one word, okay, did they speak, and not one word did the Bible choose to tell us what was happening with those people on that next day. Now, that's really important because I think... Um, you know, a lot of people think the Bible tells us, I should be careful about how I say this because it sort of mess your theology up, about Jesus going into hell during that time, okay? And that really is Heather, okay? It's my daughter-in-law. She's at the beach sending me Texas pictures of the kids walking on the beach. <laughs> a lot of people think... They think, you know, we, the, the Apostle Creed is actually where we get this, this, this revelation or this notion that Jesus went into hell during this time. I'm just going to put it right out to you. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Gospels. Uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, 18 actually indicates that Jesus went into hell at some point in time, but there's a dispute whether it was then or it was back during the time of Noah. We don't really know. It, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened with Jesus. It really doesn't tell us. So you believe stuff that somebody else told you to believe, aren't you something? You know, I'm just throwing that out. I'm not going to get into that debate. I have my personal belief about it. But um, what I want to do is, is talk to you just a minute about the next day. Are you all right with that? And uh, so here's, here's the way I've, I've, got, I've laid it out like this. One, Friday was the nightmare day, okay? It, it was the nightmare day. Uh, Sunday is the resurrection day, and the Bible, Saturday is the no-name day. It's just the next day. It's the day that nothing happened, okay? Uh, it's the day that the disciples 
were facing the nightmare that they had experienced. It was the day that they woke up, and in their minds, Jesus was no different than the other 18 so-called messiahs that lived in the time of Jesus, and every one of those so-called disciples were put to death. And failed, every single one. In fact, there was one dude that had 2,000 followers. And the Roman government took and crucified 2,000 people at one time in in Galilee and left them out there to let people know, if you ever decide not to pay taxes to us, this is what's happening. We think the IRS is bad. (laughs) They left them hanging there. And that happened when Jesus was probably, uh, you know, in Jesus' area. He He was from Galilee, and he was a little boy according to history, when those people... So Jesus knew what the Roman government was all about. He knew what they would do to you. He was no fool. He, he knew exactly what he was walking into. Um, so the question is, is, you know, in their mind, is Jesus failed, Jesus is dead, and what are we going to do? And they were afraid, and... Um, it's, I believe one of the reasons the Bible's silent on it is because God was dead that day, right? God died. Yes or no? I know that's a hard thought for you to think, but that's really what the, the Scriptures teach, that, that Christ died. Christ was God. God was dead for a day in, in the history of man. Y'all, y'all just sort of here looking at me like, is that the truth? But if Jesus died, doggone it, and Jesus God? I mean, so God was dead. God was dead. Get this, God was dead. God was dead that day. That's why the Bible did not have anything to say that day because God had nothing to say because God was dead and there was nothing to talk about. If God's dead, there's nothing to say. And so there was a silence there. And that's why the Bible was silent. In fact, let's look at what uh, Paul said. This is amazing. Uh, 1 Corinthians, are y'all following this? Uh, you're looking at me strangely. I'm telling you stuff that's really messing with your your thinking. Like, you know, Je- it was the Apostles' Creed that told us that Jesus went into hell, not the Bible. <laughs> you know, uh, you better go read that First Peter thing and think about it some. Uh, you know, and God was actually dead? I mean, he was. I mean, First Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, this is what Paul said. This is amazing. Uh, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Well, there you go. God's dead. (laughs) Okay. And that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. Now, if you notice that Paul glossed right over that second day, he did not even mention it. He just said Christ died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. He did not say one word about the next day or the second day or that Saturday. He just ignored it. And like the Bible, if you really go back into the Scriptures and begin to study this whole thing about the third day, because the third day is all over the Scripture, the Bible very consistently leaves the second day out. It doesn't talk about the second day. Here's a, uh, I find this to be fascinating, but Genesis 22.4 is when Abraham was taking Isaac to sacrifice, sacrifice him. It, was, it says on the third day... He saw the ram. That's what it says. He saw the ram that was going to save his son's life. Um, 
Joshua 2.15, Rahab took some uh, Jewish-Israeli spies and hid them and said, on the third day, you'll be okay. Did not say anything about uh, Joseph's brothers were thrown in prison by Joseph. And it says in the Scriptures, on the third day, they got out. Okay? Uh, Esther found out about this plot of Haman. He was going to kill all the Jews. And she went to fasting. And she called all the Jews to fast. And it says on the third day she got up and went to the king. And he received her. That's powerful, really. Yeah, Jonah in the well. They tell us a lot about, the Bible tells us a lot about that, that third day. But it tells us very nothing about that second day or that next day. Okay? It tells us nothing about the second day. Now, that's awesome from the Bible perspective. Let's talk about it from our perspective, okay? That's what I really want to talk to you about. I just want to tell you that what I'm fixing to say to you really comes out of the Bible is everybody in this room is familiar with the next day, right? We all are going to have a next day. In fact, the Bible promises you that you will have a nightmare day in your life. Jesus promised us that. He says there's a day you, you live in a world of trouble. That's what he said. You live in, in sorrows and trouble are going to come into your life. The Bible teaches that every human being that lives long enough on this earth are going to face a day, a Friday. They're going to face a nightmare day. They're going to face a day of uncomprehensible trouble. Have you ever had a day like this? You had a nightmare day, and after a fitful night of sleep, your first thoughts as you were awakened and as you became conscious, for a brief moment you forgot about the nightmare. And all of a sudden you remembered it in this wave of 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 despair hits you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, that is an awful moment. I have felt that as an awful moment. I'll tell you, the opposite is, is to have a dream about a nightmare and to wake up and be thinking that nightmare is real and then come to the reality. It was just a bad dream. It was a devil dream. Y'all ever had that? Well, all of us have had the day, the nightmare Friday, okay? Every person in this room. And I think that uh, I think, this is what I believe. I believe that the mental health uh, community, we could probably empty out their business if we could get people out of living in that next day. You see, I think most people have experienced their nightmare Friday and woke up that next morning and have lived in that place and it's, and it's caused a breakdown in their lives. It's called a breakdown in their minds. It's called a breakdown in their emotions. That's why they're psychiatrists and psychologists. And thank God they are. Professional counselors. Thank God they're all those things. But I believe people really, because people are living, they've never lived, they've never got to the third day. They got stuck in that second day, and they've lived their lives They've lived their lives in the next day, in the day that where God, the day of questions. That's what it is, is the day of Can you imagine how the disciples were that day as they gathered together the next day to begin to discuss, like, my goodness, what happened? My goodness. It's like the ones on the road to Emmaus said, we were hoping. We were hoping. And they were in despair. They were, and, and then you begin to talk about the person and how what the person said, what the person did, what we were believing something. And now we've come to the reality that he, he wasn't what we thought he was. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And he's dead like all the other 18 so-called messiahs and so-called Christ. He's just like all of them. What are we going to do? 
I'm telling you, people live there in their life. I've seen it over and over. I've seen people go through their nightmare. You know, it, it could be any nightmare. It could be a loss of a loved one. It could be a loss of a job. It, it could be the day your spouse leaves you. It could be the day you lost your child. Your child ran away. Those are nightmares for people. It could be the day the roof crashes in on you. Those are nightmares. And you gonna, every one of us wake up the next day and have to face that nightmare, and it really is like God is silent that day. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like God is nowhere to be found. It's as if God is dead. To you, He feels dead, and you're crying out for answers. You're looking for answers, and God has no words to say to you. Has anybody been there? I'm telling you, every one of you, if you haven't been there, just hang around a while. You'll get there. I'm sorry you're going to get there. I wish I could keep you from getting there, but I can't. Nobody can keep you from getting there. You're going to have your, your nightmare Friday, and then you're going to have your next day, your day of wonder. And see, what happens with a lot of Christians I've seen, especially Christians, well, and more, more so people in the world, is you, you get stuck in this place of questions with no answers. You get stuck in this place. And over a period of time this thing begins to work in your life. Little by little, you become a little more bitter, a little more disconnected from the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? A little more, a little more. It's like this malware. Y'all know what malware is, don't you, on your computer? Beggy don't know what it is. <laughs> Y'all don't know what that is? It's like viruses on your computer. It's like a program that's working in the background of your computer that's slower, you know, your computer gets slower and slower and slower and doesn't work right. Well, it's just, they call it malware. It's running in the background. You're not aware of it. And it's eating up all the resources of your computer, eating away at it. And that's the way this is. It's running in the background of your life, and it's eating away at your heart. It's eating away at your spirit. Okay? And you slowly but surely get more and more lukewarm towards God and pull back from God. Because that thing's eating at you and you're not even aware of it. It's because you're stuck in the next day. You're stuck there and you're living there. You can't get those questions answered. You can't get satisfaction in your heart. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of people there. And what winds up with those people long term is they drift far away from God. Far away from God. Not every Christian gets into Sunday morning. I'm telling you, not every Christian gets there. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about their lives here. A lot of Christians are walking out there the next day. They're stuck there. And then when they get there is one thing I notice about the, the, the stories in John 20 especially when Jesus appeared to, to the people. Like the first person he appeared to immediately when he just spoke to her, she grabbed hold of Jesus. You know, women of all people, let me tell you, women of all people need to be kissing the feet of Jesus because that was the one group of people that was women and children that Jesus totally fought for. I mean, totally fought for them. Because if you go back and study the culture of Jesus' day, you would realize that women were like one step above of being a slave. They were used and abused in their society. 
And Jesus went against all cultural things and went after women and embraced women, brought women to himself. And I think that's why you see a lot of women that really do love the Lord because they have something in them. And I think that's why Jesus appeared to a woman. The first person who ever saw Jesus alive was a woman. And she brought the first message of the gospel that was ever preached. Okay? After Jesus' resurrection, she was the first preacher when she went to the disciples and said, He's alive, guys. Jesus is alive. It was a woman. And that's really why Jesus is so honored women and children is that he, it's because we think women's live did something for women. They didn't do nothing for women. Jesus did something for women. You know? And I've always told people, you can tell about churches. If you go into a church and you see women and children oppressed, you need to run as far as you can because that's a religious world that you've just walked into because religion oppresses women. Don't liberate them. I don't know why I'm telling you all that, but it's what Jesus believes. It's what Jesus does. We want the men to hear it. <laughs> I think we all, you know, we all deal with our next day a little different, but there are patterns. Here's, here's the pattern that I see with people, and here's the pattern I see in the Bible. When Jesus came back from the dead and appeared to the disciples, they were questioning him even when he appeared to them. So here's what happens with people. You're a Christian. You're going along in life. You got, you, God is doing stuff in your life. The Holy Ghost has touched you. you got this thing going in your life. You're believing this. You're, believing that. you're decreeing. You're declared. And then you hit your nightmare Friday. You get stuck in your, your, your next day. And the Lord comes to you. And all of a sudden you're full of a skepticism in your life. And you begin to question things that you dearly believed. You all know what I'm talking about? Suddenly you start backing off on what you really believe. Because, well, you know, it didn't work. I had this tragedy happen in my life. It didn't, it didn't save me. Why, how can I pray for the sick? God didn't answer the prayer. That's what human beings do. And that's why Jesus, when he came back, he had to go back and deal with every one of his apostles and reveal himself to them, get them to touch him, get them to look at him and say to him, Listen, I'm alive. Don't back off. It ain't time to back off. You see, a lot of Christians, why we stay stuck in the next day is because we begin into unbelief and we get pulled back from the Lord because of that malware that's working in our heart. Am I talking to anybody in this room besides me? <laughs> you know, I preached this message to me a bunch, believe me. Uh, Thomas, is, Thomas really is a case study for all of us and the guy who's stuck in the next day where God had to specifically go directly to him and say, Thomas, look here, son. And I think that some of you are just like Thomas this morning. Oh, you believe the Lord. But you've backed way back, 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 back. And you have taken on a position of skepticism in your heart, and you don't even know it. And that's the truth. And so, therefore, you're going to be a Christian who doesn't live in the third day. Your Sunday is not here yet. Okay? You're still living in Saturday. And you can, you can spend the rest of your life living Saturday, in that Saturday and that next day where there's not really anything said in the Scripture about it. Are y'all all right? Here's the truth. The only way... I love that we call it Good Friday. Okay? But if you're stuck in Saturday... 
your nightmare Friday will never become your good Friday. The only way Friday is going to become good is for you to get into Sunday. And that's the truth. The only way you're going to be able to look at your life right and look what has happened to you is to get over there into Sunday. And when you get into Sunday, suddenly that scripture where it says God causes all things to work for good, suddenly you realize that was a good Friday. We can call Friday good today. Okay, but I promise you on that Saturday morning, those disciples had no word about good on Friday. They were scared to death. And it would have never become good Friday. Your Friday will never become good. Your nightmare, God will never be able to take it and work it for good in your life until you can get into this, to this third day, this Sunday morning. Okay? Are y'all following this? Yeah. See, because God has a word for people this morning. Okay? And it's about, it's about your life. It's one thing to come in here and celebrate Sunday morning. It's a resurrection morning. And you to walk back out there and get in your car and drive home and live in your Saturday. All you did was have a little interlude here. But you got a life to live. And you can live your life in Saturday. You get to choose that. Or you can make some decisions today about, you know what? I'm, a, I'm moving over to Sunday morning. I'm moving over into a... Re- I'm convinced. This is what I've come to convince. So I've been asking the Lord for two years. Why? Why are we so powerless? I'm convinced this is the reason. It's because we're not living in Sunday. We're living in Saturday. We're living in that day. And we haven't stepped over into this resurrection day where the power of God is really going to be released in the earth. So, here's what happened to me. Y'all want to hear about this? This is how the Lord made my my nightmare Friday become good Friday for me. This happened to me Thursday, Thursday night. So um, I got in bed and I guess I went to sleep, you know. And I was I was thinking I was asleep, but I felt like I was awake. You know what I'm talking about? You're not really sure if you're asleep or awake. And somebody came into my room. Now, my wife wasn't there. She was doing something. Where was she at Thursday? Oh, yeah, she was down at Queen City acting all spiritual with them people. <laughs> acting all Holy Ghost with that crowd down there. So I was out, golly, I mean, you know, out late, midnight and all this. Come on. That's a good day, right? You know the Holy Ghost is moving when you can go to a women's meeting and you don't get home to after midnight. Anyways, I, was in, this, I went to sleep and this... Somebody came into my room. Now I was I was conscious when they came into my room, and here I know this sounds weird to you, but I don't really care because this did something for me, and I think it can do something for you. It was a cloud that came into the room, but the cloud had a face. Okay, he had a, a smiling face, a happy face. And this cloud came over me, and it's like it went into my soul. And this is all I can tell you. It's weird. I felt peace and joy coming into my soul. And then I went back to sleep. Then I woke up again. I guess I was awake. And this cloud was still there. And it did the same thing. But this time it said, Byron, be happy. That's what it said to me. Be happy. Then I went back to sleep. Okay? And then I guess I woke up again, and the cloud did it again, and it said, Byron, be happy. And then I went to sleep for the rest of the night and woke up in the morning. 
But here's what happened to me when I woke up in the morning. I wasn't putting all this together then. I was, as I was, as I was waking up, I was hearing this song. And it's from the 70s. Okay? And this is the song. It's, it was by a group called the Second Chapter of Acts, which is a pretty good name for a group, right? Second Chapter of Acts. It's three girls and a guy, I think, or a family. Two girls and a guy. Matthew Ward, yeah. So I started hearing this song as I was waking up. It said, and I'm going to read the words to you. I'm not going to sing it to you. You would not be happy. <laughs> it says, hear the bells ringing. They're singing that we can be born again. Hear the bells ringing. They're singing Christ is risen from the dead. The angel up on the tombstone said, He has risen just as he said. He has risen just as he said. Quickly now, go tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. Joy to the world. He has risen. Hallelujah. He has risen. Hallelujah. He's risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it repeats the same thing again. And when I got up, I realized what that the Lord was saying to me. He was singing that song to me. And he was saying, it's Resurrection Day, Byron. You need to live in the Resurrection Day. You need to start living in the Resurrection Day. Your sorrows, your next day is over with. And so, I don't think the Lord was just telling me that. I think He's telling some people in this room this morning, just living in there Saturday, I think He's telling you that. He's saying, be happy. It's time to be happy. It's Sunday. It's resurrection morning. Christ is alive. In fact, he just took a nap. <laughs> Can you think of this? God said, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to take a nap. Because the last thing he said was, it's finished. So I'm going to do what I've told you all to do from the start. It's, I'm going to have me a Sabbath. I'm gonna just, but I'm going to die while I'm doing this Sabbath thing. So I can, just, I can get it all, take care of all of it at one time. Do it all for you. So I'm here to say something. I'm here to declare something to you. Now, I can declare it all day. I can, when I declare it over me, it works on me. Okay? I don't know if it's going to work on you. But I'll tell you one thing that will work on you. If you declare it over your life, if you begin to say to yourself, Saturday's over with. It's Sunday. It's Resurrection Day. When you begin to tell yourself that, Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the day I live in. I live in that day. I don't live in that dark day anymore. That day's over with for me. I'm out. I'm done. Now, when you do that, I believe there's some power can get released into your life. And you can actually begin to live in that day. Are you all following this? And I think that's your answer this morning. I think it's my, it was my answer. Peace and joy like I never experienced. Just flooding my soul. This little, little face in this cloud is weird. 
this little face in that Byron, be happy. This happy little face in this cloud talking to me. <laughs> okay. Maybe the mental health people have a case here. <laughs> but if I'm mental, I'm staying mental. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm happy mental. I'm I'm gonna live mental, man, because I'd rather live mental than live in this misery that people live in. This misery. So that's the end of the message. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to share something that really is this, what Byron's talking about. Becky has been invited to go to Queen City two Thursdays, this one Thursday this month and one Thursday last month. And, and I went with her to help pray for people, and it was a women's group. But I want to tell you all this to say this is, was, has been a testimony of where we've come. What, what she really has been doing has been sharing our story and sharing where we've come and then declaring what it was the Lord did in us to get us through, you know. And while I would sit there, I mean, it was the most powerful time with this group of women. I mean, Becky was saying it's like on another level. And the funny thing is that he shares that. The first Thursday we went, I wasn't at home, and I came home, and Matthew had the most powerful encounter with the Lord. He woke up the next, he woke me up actually at 4 o'clock in the morning. He was so on this other realm. It was just like, whoa. And then for you to have that on that Thursday night, I just feel like the Lord, when we were there and we were sharing, it was just like we were feasting really on all the things the Lord had done in us. And it was just this joy and this breakthrough. And then one of the words one of the girls had for us at the very end was, she said, I just saw y'all as like Ruth and Naomi. And, and I feel like what the Lord's saying to you is you've had your time of suffering, but you're coming out and you're going into your time of harvest. You know, and I feel like that's what, you know, that's what the Lord's saying. It's time for that third day, you know. And I was actually ran into Pam Troglin, and the thing the Lord's been saying, and what you were saying is this time I'm going to declare that. But for you, what the Lord's been saying to me is it's time for you to get ready to receive. Okay, and and I had this thing where I went up, and the Lord said, come on up into these heavenly places, and I want you to breathe in this heavenly atmosphere and allow me in this place to expand your your capacity to receive from me. Because really what it is, is I have some gifts for you, but you need to be able to be ready to receive them. And so yesterday, just this quick little, this is the receiving thing. We were driving, and we almost came up to Lazy Five. We were leaving, and we were going somewhere. And, and my dad called and said, this guy that he knows is working there, and said, come in the, in the, they were having this huge day, I didn't know, at Lazy Five. The line for people to come down, come, was all, was over a mile. And they said, he said, they said, come in the employee entrance, tell them you're these people, kinfolk, which they another nationality. We don't look like they're kinfolk. But tell them you're, your kinfolk, and you come on in. So we got out, and this is what my son said, and this is what is so good, is we could have driven on past. Matter of fact, the first thing I said to my dad was, we got things to do. But when I came, we came up to the entrance, I just said, Matthew, just turn in. 
And so we turned in, and the funny thing was Judah had said that morning, Mom, can't we just do something fun today? I was like, we got this, this, and this. But this is about being able to receive. I said, Matthew, just turn in. We got out. It was an unbelievable crowd. I mean, parked out in the front pasture everywhere. They said, yeah, go on in, you know, drove right in. We get out of the car, and my son Ben said, I said, this is awesome. What did we just get to do? What are we getting to do here? This is really cool. I think this is the Lord. My, ben said, this is glory, Mama. This is glory. I was like, okay, well, let's go on into the glory. So we walked around. There's always a line at the to get on the um, ride, you know, to ride through. Walked up, told them who, you know, we was kinfolk of, you know, they said, come on in. You know, we got right on the, didn't have to wait a minute, got right on the ride, got right off the ride just in time for, they said, you know, they're getting ready to have this big egg drop over there. I mean, it was like just in time, the helicopters were going to drop down this big egg drop. The kids were going to have this big egg thing. Walk by, the kids are like, we're hungry. Matthew's like, I got $4, you know. And the guy that's our kinfolk is working at the barbecue stand. He's like, come here. He hands us each, how many you need? Hands us each barbecue sandwiches for free and drinks. And then we walk back. We do this. We, right as soon as we got there, the heli- here comes the helicopter, drops the eggs. Perfect timing. I mean, it was just like, Lord, what is this except for your goodness? And this is how you feel about us, is that we're yours. We're yours, and you are the giver of gifts. And all you're saying is open up and receive. And so I feel like with what Myron's saying today, with saying this over us, really what we need to do is say, Father, I receive it. I receive that today is the day the the Saturday's over and it's time to go on in to the Sunday. You know, it's time to go on in. So, Lord, all we know is, Lord, we're saying we are going to receive. We're going to receive that good gift of you raising up and conquering death, conquering sin, conquering, defeating the world and the bondages and all those things. You've defeated all that and we're receiving your great gifts. So, Lord, I ask you that you would expand our hearts. You would expand our hearts to receive all the good gifts, the joy, the peace, the love, the kindness, all that you have for us, Lord God. We thank you for what you've done.